We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. Have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The league presents Electric People. Welcome to Electric People for another episode. Um, this is a cool one. So kind of the we started Electric People to get like-minded people together and uh, discuss what they're doing in their different worlds to have success. We believe that success is transcendent, whether you're a professional athlete or a salesperson or an academic, um, whatever you're doing in your world to be successful, I think we can all learn from that. So we're here with professional wakeboarder Sean Watson today. What's up? Not much, hanging out, good old rainy. You never know what's gonna happen here in Florida. <laughs> we literally like set up this like nice setup for an hour and we sat down and it no, started raining on us. So it's funny because we've been planning this, you know, for however long and past few days, weather's been awesome. Today, beautiful, you know, this morning, not, not a you know, not a cloud in the sky. It was you know, no perfect. wind, perfect. And then, you know, I'm counting down the hours and I know you landed at twelve o'clock <laughs> with the clouds. <laughs> Oh, it's Florida. Here we go. It's Florida, man. It's literally kind of sprinkling us on, on us right now. So. Yeah, well, thanks for having us out. We're at Sean's place in Florida, backed up to a lake. It's awesome here. So thanks for having us out to the house, man. Yeah, thanks for having Yeah, you got a rough by. life out here. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm spoiled. I can't, uh, you know, we've, I've been living on this lake for about 15 years now. Actually, I've lived in this house for about 15 years. I first moved here and lived with a buddy, another rider, for about a year and a half. And, um, you know, I knew a guy that owned this house, one of his rental properties, and he said, call me one day. He's like, Sean, I have this house, and um, I don't know if, you know, I was only 21 years old. And uh, he's like, I don't know if you're in the market to buy a house, but I'm selling this house if you want it. I was like, man, you know, there's a lot of lakes in Orlando. Yeah. Um, but this lake is just, it's perfect. It's not a public lake. It's not private. You know, so it's it's not really like, there's not a public boat ramp. So people can't just come in and use it. You know, most other lakes you go out on, mm. it is just littered with other boats. And, you know, for wakeboarding, you want the calmest water like this. You don't want, you know, a lot of other lakes have seawalls. So you get a lot of bounce back and it's a mess. And out here, you know, we can go anytime of the day, you know, no matter middle of summer and never have another boat in sight. It's actually so. probably some of the reason for your success. Or your, I mean, you've been a professional wakeboarder for over 20 years, right? Yep. So yeah. to have a spot like that, that's, man, yeah. that's, that's probably part of the equation, huh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, you, a lot of guys got, there's, you know, there's a lot of man-made test lakes that people go to. So it's just enough for your, you know, a typical wakeboard run, you get two passes. You, you go, you leave the dock, you get one pass and you get two passes and each- What's each, a pass? Is a pass so, like- Yeah, so you get, like when you leave the dock, you know, you kind of, boat leaves the dock, goes, you know, goes a little bit, turns around. And then, cause most places like for, like if it was like an arena style setup, you know, for people to watch, mm -hmm. you want you want to have it, like if there's only so much area people can watch. So typically about four or five tricks is it's about one pass. is one pass. So the boat will go and you'll drive by the shoreline, the start dock, and like a quarter you know, mile. Yeah, it's maybe not that much. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you know how long a slalom course is? Uh -uh. Like, like for, for skiing. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I'm trying to think how many. It's probably like five, a couple hundred yards. I'm mm -hmm. not exactly sure what the distance is. Um, and even just longer than the length of a football field. I'm not exactly sure what the what the distance is. <laughs> but um, yeah, so you'll you know you leave the dock. Go out one pass, two pass, and get judged off of uh, whoever so like does the best tricks. maneuvers. Yeah. Six to eight tricks. Yep. yep, that's cool. So backing up, did you do you come from like a ski family? Is your family like? Did you grow up on a lake? Like wakeboarding to me feels like a sport where the the opportunity is only available to like 
certain types of people or a certain like small population, right? Yeah, I mean, it's especially nowadays, like wakeboarding and whatnot is a kind of a rich man sport. You yeah. Know? I mean, like that, my boat back there, I feel, you know, brand new boat is over 150,000. Well, and they've gotten more expensive, right? Yeah, exactly. Every year, I mean, used anything to be with expensive. price increase, everything always gets, you know, I remember back in the day when we were younger and my parents bought a boat. Um, you know, the first one we bought was just a basic ski boat. It was probably, you know, 20, 30 grand. Yeah. And the next boat we got was, I think it was like $47,000, which that was expensive at the time. And then now you got into this boat where these are close to 150 grand, if not more. So, so it's, uh, it's crazy. But yeah, I, um, you know, my, my dad wasn't super into water skiing. He had a bit of a, um, injury when he was younger with boating. So he wasn't really into, into the whole boating scene, but my mom, you know, she grew up water skiing, loved it. And, you know, she had a, she had a little boat that was not designed for water skiing, but you know, still you can get out there and ride behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, but, um, you know, I remember she saved photos of me when I was about eight years old. Uh, there was a ski school pretty close to us where she took me to get lessons and like a water ski school. huh? Yeah. Water ski school. Yeah. And, um, Right when, you know, the kind of the first time I got out there, eight years old, I was hooked. Hmm. And so it was your mom. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah no, really. So your dad yeah. bought a boat, but didn't boat after nope. the accident. I mean, even till this day, even I think my dad's probably only been in the boat with me to ride probably, you know, maybe a handful of times. Oh, he really? fully supports it. Sure. He's just, you know, he's just not, not his, his thing. thing. Not his thing. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. But your mom would drive you and stuff. Oh, right? yeah. My mom took us out, me, because I have two younger brothers. So we would be out, you know every day possible after school summer you know just doing our thing and learned how to do it and so that you, sorry that progressed to wakeboarding and yeah yeah i mean i so i actually got lucky where because my parents like we lived on the, like on the canal that connected to the lake but then my grandma she lived about a mile away on a actual like on the lake and had a boathouse you know full-on boathouse place to keep the boat but uh, when I was probably around 10 or 11 years old, we had a guy that moved in across the street from us and he was really into show skiing. I don't know if you know what show skiing mm -hmm. is, but show skiing is- I've uh, seen the Parks Bonifay documentary. Yeah, and they so do it's, some of that, like, so they, you know, like almost like a circus, like on the water people, like you'll, the a whole crew of people will come and set up, um, you know, and they'll do the pyramids where mm -hmm. they'll get all, you know, all kinds of people stacked up and, um, they'll have the you know the big ramp that people jump off of skiing, and you'll get like three guys jumping off the ramp at one time, and just put, put on a show. Mm -hmm. So he was really into that, um, and he also there was a not not the ski school I learned to ski at, but there was another one that was you know a few 15, 20 minutes away, but he ran that ski school. So um, I kind of went under his wing. You know, I went, we would go out every day. We would ski. Um, I ended up doing the kind of getting on the ski team. We would do this thing, you know what barefooting is? Yeah. So we actually would do- I feel like barefooting is kind of self-explanatory, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, it's fat, you go fast, but um, you know, during the, during the show, they would actually do a thing called a barefoot pyramid. So there was two guys, th these two guys, and then I would get on their shoulders and barefoot, um, or I would stand on their shoulders where they were and barefoot. how old are you when you're up there? I was young. I mean, I was probably 12, you know, I probably only weighed less than hundred pounds, yeah. but that's what you'd want, especially too, from up there when you're going 40 plus miles an hour, those crashes hurt. Yeah. So they had you, they you on the top of the pyramid. Yeah. It's only, it's only, there's only one, like, you know, it's two guys. So we would start, I'd start in the middle on skis. 
And then I'd, I'd kick one ski off, crawl up and get on their shoulders, like, you know, work my way up and get on their shoulders and they'd kick <laughs> off one ski, we'd get up to speed and they'd kick off their, off their skis and we'd barefoot. You think you could um, still do it? Cause Adam and Mark could ski if you could climb up there and do <laughs> that. Yeah, we could definitely, we could try it. You know, I'll give it hell, man. Yeah, I know I you will, will, dude. That's the thing about you, man. But, um, yeah, so, you know, we just I did all that, you know, kind of grew up just water skiing, did all that kind of stuff, you know, during the, instead of going to, um, summer camp i would go with him to the to water ski camp and and you know just help people teach people how to ski um just kind of help out with things and i would get to ski all day and this is before wakeboarding was even really like i mean this is i mean scurfer time was probably just coming out and it was kind of like what's that thing um and then um you know we just i remember even when i first started seeing wakeboarding i was kind of scared of it i don't know why i had this you know, we'd we'd ride kneeboards. I'd we'd ride surfboard behind, like surfboards behind the boat. I'd stand up on my kneeboard. We'd, you know, we'd mess around behind the boat with surfboards. And I grew up by the beach. I mean, I used to surf. I mean, I still surf, but I grew up surfing. You know, because we lived where I lived down in South Florida. I was I could ride my bike to the beach. Hmm. Um, so was there is there a culture in water skiing like in snow skiing? I grew up skiing uh, with season passes to like Solitude and Brighton yeah. out, out in Utah. And there was like a little bit of a culture shift when snowboarding hit the scene. And yeah. then like the the skiing like purists kind of like shunned the snowboarders. And there was a little bit of this weird like tension between the two groups. I, it still kind of exists in some you know? places. Oh yeah. Right? And like a lot of the resorts didn't even allow snowboarders yeah. forever, right? Um, I think Alta, I don't even know if Alta still does. Maybe Alta they do now. Deer Valley, Valley doesn't. I know doesn't. that. So... Um, is there that same weird tension in water sports where like the slalom skiers were like, what is this newfangled, you know, surfing on the water? 100%, you know? Yeah, because, you know, even like in the in the boating industry, you know, back it's always been water ski boats. Now, water ski boats sold is a very small percentage of, than what wakeboarding boats are. Right. You know, it's, it's far surpassed it's taken it now, over. Right? Yeah, so. I feel like if you see a water skier out on the water now, it's a little weird. Like yeah, it's early yeah. in the morning and they're just yeah. trying to get their fast, sharp mm-hmm. turns, but it's it's You it's know more they're rare. old school no matter what, uh, right? It's yeah. like my older brother is like still out trying to slalom. Most skiing, people like. that are still skiing nowadays, like competitively, whatnot, it's because they were passed down from the family, right. you know, and even their family is like, you're not wakeboarding. Yeah. <laughs> so, but um, not wearing big shorts or whatever it was back yeah. in the day, right? Well, especially <laughs> too, cause you know, back, you know, like water skiing or, you know, like the competitive water skiing, there's slalom skiing where you have to go, th- you have, it's, you know, you go through the course, you gotta make all the buoys. Once you make that, run you gotta turn around they shorten your rope a couple of feet you gotta come back through and try to make the same buoys at that short you so it's however many runs you can do and what or the shortest distance that you can get and make the most buoys and then you've got trick skiing where it's you're riding that really little ski um and they're doing you know all kinds of crazy tricks similar kind of similar to wakeboarding but you know it's it's not really but just having a rope pass yeah exactly and do all those different things um and then you would have you know, where they hit on two skis where you cut out real far and come in with a bunch of speed and hit the ramp and try to go your distance. So it's called three event skiing. Mm-hmm. Um, so any of those events, you'll have, you'll have slalom ski, trick, and jump. Um, so that's like your traditional water ski events. So when wakeboarding came around, they started, there was the pro tour and they started having wakeboarding part of the pro tour, but it was like the stepchild thing. So and what year is this? Like how old are you this when this early starts 90s. happening? This like is 93, uh, like, two? Yeah, something like that. And this is like, this is kind of even before my time. So, um, you know, you, you used to have to, I don't even think, I can't remember if there was a lot of tricks that you could do, but they used to have like a, 
each trick was worth a certain amount of points in wakeboarding. In, in wakeboarding, and so you had to just like trick skiing. So you'd have it didn't matter. You could you know that, so it didn't really make much style. It was more about how you could get these mo like these tricks done with the most spins and, and and it still is that way. But now it's more about style. A little more yeah. subjective judging, yeah. right? So when I first started competing, my first event, my first pro event was like like in 1997, and I went to. U.S. Nationals in Texas, and I had to write down my trick pass. You know, it was the first time I ever done it. So oh, I had to write, really? I had to, and I, I obviously I prepared who's, for who's it. Who's judging you though? There's, like, there's, there's like typically there's the about, there's about three you. judges that are inside the boats. They have like a, you know, a, but none of them can do what you've done. So like, how do they even yeah, know? A lot of them are like retired guys, but the, and a lot of them, yeah, they can't do what you can do. They would like look at it and be like, that looked pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they say about surfing too, is they like, I, I was listening to a podcast with Kelly Slater the other day and he was like, well, there's a lot of people in surfing that think that the only people that should judge surfing are former surfers, yeah. right? Just cause it's like, you don't really understand what it's like, but it's, it's subjective judging yeah. now, right? So before you'd write down, hey, I'm gonna do a backflip, I'm gonna do a tantrum, I'm gonna do all these things. Yep. But you couldn't get out there and just feel it. What if you were feeling something else or yeah, something? Yeah, you never know. Better? I mean, it's now, I mean, even like, you know, I've had contest runs where I've got something in my mind, but you, conditions change and yeah you never know what's going to happen so you don't you might not want to try that super hard trick right there you might do something different just to get past and then throw that hard trick like the very end of your run or you never know mm -hmm. so everything changes i wanted to ask you to get back to a little bit um when you're first starting mm -hmm. so a lot of our sales guys are are like naturally some of them are really natural just good sales guys and we're just teaching them the product yeah and then other guys it really takes them a long time to like figure it out, right? Um, but then they finally get it and the like the light bulb goes off. Mm -hmm. Was there that moment for you? Uh, well, one, it, it seems like you were a pretty natural, naturally gifted, you know, just at water sports. Yeah. But when did the, when did the light bulb go off where you felt like this was something that you could do long-term or even make a career out of? Yeah. Um, man, I was probably, I'd say it was around, probably 16 years old when that kind of happened for me. And like I said, I probably didn't really start even really getting into weight. I mean, obviously I was water skiing, I was on the water every day before, but really started wakeboarding around 12. So there's that four year period where it was kind of more, as anybody does as a kid, I mean, you talk to any, you know, I was watching that Momentum um, surf video. Have you seen I heard it's those? awesome. I watched it last night. Is it good? It's awesome. It's like but it was just so cool because those guys. those guys, obviously they're, you know, a full decade ahead of my um my time but just kind of seeing how you know how they, they they even said you know they were just they were they were never when they were kids and they were surfing even started competing like they were just doing it for fun and it wasn't a career path for them mm -hmm. and you know i was kind of you know i remember just wanting to be really good at it and obviously wanting to be the best but um you know once i started uh you know getting offers and you know i'm in middle i'm in high school you know, 10th grade and things like that. And being asked by sponsors to travel you know, overseas for two or three weeks at a time during school, you know, it's like- It's gonna be the coolest thing ever for like Yeah, no, it's epic, though, right? you know, but it's like, you know, it's, it's kind, of, kind of crazy to think because you're, you know, typically at that age when you're, you know- Did all your friends in, know that like this was happening in your life? Like yeah, the kids uh, at your yeah, school, like- Definitely, yeah. It was always, you know, I had so many friends that were like, I want to go out on the boat, let's do that. You know, and they, and they just kind of followed and, and uh, yeah, it was rad. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. You had to have known pretty early that like, what, what, do, you, do you remember a time when you like noticed that you're actually like 
better. Yeah, like far beyond everyone else. What, with wakeboarding? Yeah, or, or yeah. like even water sports, right? Like, I mean, I think I grew up skating and stuff, so it's yeah. like, you know who the best kids are. For sure. And you're doing it for fun, but at what point did you start to notice, it's like, oh, I actually am better than everybody else at yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I would say I'm never necessarily better than everybody. No, but you but, are. But, I mean, yeah, you yeah. had a 20 plus Definitely, yeah, for career, sure. You so, know what I mean? You know, you, yeah, I mean, you can, um, like you said, I guess you're just sometimes people are naturally, you know, you have that talent and whatnot, so you definitely... You know, you're coming in, you're seeing some of the guys that are older and not, everyone has different outlooks on things, you know, different. I mean, I was, even when I was kind of growing, coming into the sport, I kind of had a little bit different style with like spinning, doing like off axis spinning and doing different things that nobody else was really doing. So I kind of had that like niche. Is that something you consciously developed or is it just like how you did it and it looked cool? Yeah, and you liked I mean, it and... I think it's just because like, even like my younger brother, who is not really, you know, he when he was young kind of coming up he 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 wanted to come into like be, be a professional wakeboarder but he had he was scared of getting hurt and never really took into it. but when you watch him ride he kind of almost naturally has the same style oh really so that's interesting if yeah but if it's just the way the watsons move yeah, huh? maybe i guess so. <laughs> yeah. that's crazy so how does it go how does it how does it work to get sponsored in when you're 15 16 like how does it because is it a thing where you do like the sponsor me tapes where you're sending in your vhs tapes to liquid force and saying hey yeah. i'm sean or yeah you know like i never I, I think i was lucky the way i came into the sport where i didn't necessarily have that whereas you know you see a lot of guys birds loud. Yeah, that thing is <laughs> ominous. You see a lot of you see a lot of guys coming in now, kids, and you know they've got to send that sponsor me video in. It, it depends on, it depends on where you're right? from. You know, like I grew up in Florida, so I was lucky that I'm able to kind of be where the mecca of the sport is. Even I grew up in South Florida, and Orlando is the mecca, but still, it's only a couple hour drive, and you're kind of around that. Whereas um, other people aren't that fortunate. Um, for myself, I was kind of lucky in the way that when it goes back to that 1997 U.S. Nationals that I rode at, my first big event. Like, I had rode a bunch of local contests in my area and done some other ones and nothing big, you know, nothing big money or nothing, like, not part of a big association. And, um, you know, we'd heard that the U.S. Nationals was going on over in Texas. And Do you have to qualify for that? Uh, not for, for Nationals, you don't have to qualify. You just go. Like and... If you wanted to ride Worlds, you would have to do well at Nationals or do well at the Pro Tour or whatnot. So I want you to enter Nationals this year. You can do Done. it. Done. Done. <laughs> Adam likes these challenges we... where like you say, hey, in a year, I can beat you at wakeboarding. So yeah, in a year. That's, the whole time be... I'm just thinking, man, if I had access to this lake, I'd be, I'd be <laughs> a pro wakeboarder. You know what I mean? Like, I actually don't. I'm not that impressed. You know what I mean? he, he lives on a lake. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> All right, so you go to nationals. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I went to nationals. This is what I was telling you when they were still doing that. You had to write your tricks down. You had to have a pass. Oh, even at stuff. that time. Yeah, ninety-seven. It was kind of actually. I think there's like this is the first contest that I entered. And this is the last year they started. They started, or this is the last year they were doing the actual write your pass down. Well, and X um, Games came like right around that time yeah, too. Yeah, X Games was like ninety-six. I, I think it was around that first. I think the first X Games was mid probably around 97 98 yeah something like that right um so i was doing i was doing my pass you know i had i actually had this because uh, you only had like 25 seconds to do your pass so if you go big it takes off a lot of your mm -hmm. time so i did this um in my run 
I would do a rally, which is like Superman, you know, the big, you mm-hmm. know, the, the crowd pleaser. Everybody that comes in the bow, they will ask you, they want you to do a rally. Um, so and you're like, I don't want to freaking do the rally. Like, 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 it's like an obligatory trip. Yeah, it's like, do a flip. And you're like, oh, like, right. you go out there, I could do a 1080 off the wake. I could do whatever. But if I went out there and just did the biggest rally, everybody <laughs> in the boat would be like, yeah. And it hurts your knees and your <laughs> back. You're like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, like I said, so that takes a lot of time because you're having to get out far out next to the boat. You got to cut in as super hard as you can. And then you're out really far next to the boat. So that's taking a lot more time than if you were just doing tricks close to the wake. So what I would do is I'd get out, do the rally. And when I landed and I was out next to the boat to kill my speed, like you see some guys, they'll like, they'll get on that, like the side slide, get on their edge and mm-hmm. throw a big spray. And that's how they would slow themselves down. Rather than doing that, I would do a, it's called a Bel Air, but it's a, a tantrum, like a backflip on the water. Like just like I would do the rally and then with all that speed. Just would, like flat. I would just, yeah, just. Like if I was just do a, a, a standing backflip right now and do that, so I would kill my speed, but also gives me a trick. Yeah. So that I could get a boat. Cause you, what you could do is if you, you had your five tricks, you have to write down, you had 25 seconds. If you got them done in 25 seconds, you could get an, a bonus trick. So I would do that really, do the Bel Air, kill the speed, and then come in and have time for another trick. And, um, and you, so would you, would you like claim the Bel Air as your trick, like on the pass? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. And then you get and, one. Uh, so I remember the first time I did that, there was the, you know, you were asking about the judges, there's like three guys in the boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ride, I'm, you know, I'm riding for Liquor Forest. I've been with them for, since pretty much this contest. I, uh, they are, there was Jimmy Redman, who is designer of Liquid Force, still, you know, was then, still is. And then there's Tony Finn, who is a founder of Liquid Force. He was actually the announcer for the event. Oh, really? So I remember doing this trick and I could hear over the announcing, like, oh my God, that was amazing. That's cool. <laughs> and, uh, so you so, stood out. So I did the run. And we, you know, I think I won my heat, whatnot. And I, at the time I was riding a, another board brand, Hyperlite board. And, um, you know, after my run, me and my dad are, you know, waiting the results and just hanging out. And we got approached by Jimmy Redman and Tony Finn. They're like, hey, um, Sean, you know, introduce themselves and, you know, like we really loved loved the what you did out there, and we'd want to know if you're interested in riding Liquid Force, and uh, you know, and so I got lucky. That's kind of how I was brought up. You know, I got that, and then next thing you know, and I, you're still with Liquid Force today. Still so with that Liquid was, Force, yeah. So I was in '97, so it's been 21 years. That's crazy. Yeah. So what a cool thing for you, but what an awesome investment for them, right? What oh, kind of rider do they get 21 years? For sure. From, except, you know? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm grateful that I'm still able to, even with my boat sponsor, you know, like that same year we got, um, you know, saying how my parents bought, we bought boats. Uh, and that same year we were able to get a discounted boat and then, you know, we were able to sell it and break even on that. And then my next, I think the next year following year was like the first year that I got, I got a boat from Nautique. Wow. You know, and then it was, you know, clothing sponsors, you know, at the time, I think I got a deal from O'Neill, wrote for them for a few years before I started writing for Billabong, uh, Dragon Sunglasses, and it was just like one thing. Yeah, who's, the most, who's the most random company that's tried to sponsor you? Oh, man. And you're getting like a Kleenex <laughs> offer or something. Oh, like yeah. man, God, there's definitely Like a Dunkin' uh, Donuts offer uh-huh. or something. Uh, 1-800-COLLECT back in the day. I think one of the time there was the... Remember the big love sacks, like the yeah, things yeah. you do for your house? Like that was kind of a random thing that they were, yeah, we want to sponsor you, put your, 
putting a they're Utah, a Utah there. company. Yeah, yeah, I loved them. I wish they were, are they still in business? Yeah, yeah, yeah they still make I furniture. I, wish I, I don't know if they're the same I owners, they probably sold yeah. out. I wish I was still sponsored. Dude, but to be like 16, have a boat sponsor, clothing sponsors, yeah. and a board, like what more do you need in your life as a 16 yeah, year old kid? For sure. Maybe a Toyota sponsorship and you're exactly. good to go. Yeah. Actually, you know what we did there at one, at one point there was um, Chevy was really part, because you know, these boats, like, the, like that one uses a GM block, GM, it's, it's a GM oh, motor. Really? Um, but there was at one point, Chevy was very involved with wakeboarding and there was a guy that was i don't know what what his exact position was but he came to all the events and i'd take him out in the boat quite a bit but uh i think it was like year around t early 2000s um it's right when they started doing the chevy silverado ss oh yeah and i was able I to get like one of the first uh, all blacked out one of the yeah. first chevy ss like silverado ss's and I uh, got it for, you know, I mean, I had to pay for it, but I got sure. a really good deal on it, drove it for a couple of years and still made money on it. So it was, you know, that was, that I was obviously, that, that was definitely truck. one of that was, really, yeah, I loved it. Um, but that was definitely probably one of the cooler. That's random. cool. I wish, you know, there's so many sponsors that have kind of come and gone throughout yeah. the, you know, you see so many changes. There has to be, there has to be a time where you sit here and it's surreal where you're like, is this really my life? Like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a pro wakeboarder. Like, you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy like it's you know you you think i i mean i remember before going those not like the 97 nationals as a kid and thinking you know what am i gonna do as a career path you know am i gonna you know i, <laughs> think, there... I, I think i always dreamed of being like a fireman or something like that like that's yeah. what i wanted to do because i can never really i mean i still can never really see myself as a, at a desk job mm -hmm. um so it's you know i feel like a fireman something like that would be a cool you know in the field yeah you know is there like a is there a cliff for like you hear the sports people talk about Tom Brady right now like yeah. the cliff is like coming right like yeah. he knows it we all know it we're all just like waiting for him to like stop performing at such yeah. a high level mm -hmm. is that something that like goes through your head like you're you're living this like dream life yeah. you know for you like at what point are you Definitely. starting to think yeah I mean you know I'm, I'm you know I'm 36 years old so I've I've been wakeboarding for a long time. I'm fortunate that I'm still healthy and still able to do it. Um, but I remember when I was, you know, 20, early 20s and saying, man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to be stoked if I can continue or at least, you know, retire by the time I'm 35 and that'd be pushing it. And yeah, you know, such a short term like vision when you're that yeah, young. Yeah, well, because it is. I mean, wakeboarding is a rough, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, you're on water, but you know, the boat's going, we're typically going around 23 miles an hour and you're cutting into the wake. So you're coming in with more speed. Um, and nowadays the wakes are, you know, close to waist high. So you're, so you're you coming know, I mean, down times where 10 you're feet? pretty much jumping off, if not higher, jumping off like the roof of your house. Yeah. So, you know, and in water is still pretty, you know, it's still pretty strong at that point. It's yeah. not, it's not really that forgiving. And you know, I've definitely, I mean, I've had my fair share of injuries and, and, uh, takes a toll on your body, but and it's definitely, I mean, it's a young man's sport. You look even nowadays, like the top guys that are winning the contests and whatnot, they're, they're in their, you know, either in their teens still or early twenties. Um, you're not seeing too many guys that are up on the podium that are above that. So how do you think, if you can articulate it, how do you think you've managed to have such a long career? I, and in that same podcast, Kelly Slater was saying that he's the oldest guy on tour. He's like 48. God, he's a freak, man. That's yeah, crazy. and he's like the next youngest is 38. 
Yeah. And when he started, the oldest was like 26. Yeah. So how do you think you've, when, when you came out to Lake Powell with us, I had some friends be like, oh, you get to go with Sean Watson. Yeah. That's the dude. Like, yeah. that's the guy. Yeah, that's awesome. So, but how do you maintain that? Because you're kind of an anomaly that way. Yeah, like I was going to say, because I mean, there's definitely guys that are younger that are by far better than me, like can do, you know, better tricks, put a better run together. But it, it's, you know, I, as I've grown up and learned, and I, I kind of was lucky that I had a mentor when I was younger growing up that it's, you know, I was taught that it's not so much about how good you are on the board, like how good you are on the board or on the water, it's how you are off the water too. You know, you've- I feel like so many people don't understand that. They don't understand that. it, no. And I, and I was lucky that when I was younger, I was kind of told, taught that, you know, going to, when I, even before really becoming, having a sponsor, I was going with the uh, liquid, liquid force rep here in Florida. His name was Mark Grimes, his name is Mark Grimes. And uh, we would travel, all over to different events. Um, if it was demos, contests, and I would help set up and talk with people, you know, go even even as a kid, you know, um, giving lessons or coaching people that, you know, it's, I'm thinking if I, if I was my age and had someone 15 years old trying to tell me how to do stuff, I don't know if I'd really particularly mm-hmm. listen to them, you know, yeah. Just, just shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, even when I was, you know, because like right now, this time of year, it's, you know, December, we're going about to start going into boat show season. So even when I was a young kid, I was being sent by Nautique or Liquid Force to go to boat shows and try to sell boats or the boards, you know, all kinds of equipment or boats. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking now the same thing. If I was at a boat, if I walked into a uh, a booth and was looking at a boat, like a at a boat like this and I had some kid in there, it's, 15 years old telling me about it. I don't know if I'd necessarily want to listen to them, but I got to learn how to do this stuff at such a young age. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're, when you're competing and you're at that level, it is all about riding and, you know, your contest results. But for these brands that are supporting you, you also have to be able to sell the brand it's a business yeah hiring like bringing you on as a partner in the brand is a business decision 100 percent. so so you see a lot of you know i mean i've seen being in the industry for 20 years i've seen so much talent come in and go out very quickly and it's just because their worth ethic work ethic is just not where it needs to be you know they 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 have what it takes in the water but they got a bad attitude thinks that you know they think that everything should just be handed to them on a silver platter and um, don't want to work for it. Do you think, Adam, that I, that just reminded me, like with what we do, so we yep. run these direct sales teams, right? Our guys go out and some of the guys, like you've been in direct sales how long? Since 03. Yeah, so same time. So we've been doing this for 15 years, which mm-hmm. in your career, 20 years in wakeboarding is a long time, but yeah. 15 years as door-to-door sellers is a really long time. I can imagine. Right? Like yeah. most of us started this in college and can't believe we're still here. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting that I think that's a like, and kind of one of the points of this show is I like to draw these parallels because your attitude and how you are to other people preserves your career. It it it, it makes you you're so much more than a guy that's a really cool guy to surf with or to yeah. uh, wakeboard with. You're actually a good business decision. And so when I think of like our senior leaders, they're not just the best sellers. Maybe it started that way, mm-hmm. but they're also the people that can look out for other people, they can connect with other people, they can train other people, they can bring more people to the business, which is essentially what Exactly. Yeah, they don't they don't have a scarcity mentality, so they're not afraid of competition, especially yeah. within their own organization. And 
and then they're the best at relationships as well. Um, I actually, uh, I'm impressed with just your attention to detail. Like as we sit and you know, kind of hear your story, yeah, your work ethic, and then the attention to detail. Um, I feel like that's what gives a lot of our top performers the staying power. Is they make uh, what appears to be hard, they make it look easy a lot of the time, but they know all the little small details that they're doing to make it look easy, right? Yeah. So there has to be, you know, situations like that with what you do, mm-hmm. where to the layman, they would look at it and be like, oh, he just, you know, went out and did this incredible run on the water, or oh, he has all these relationships with all these businesses, yep. and you're sitting here going, well, like don't don't discredit all the work that I put into it and you know all the relationships and all the years of maintaining those relationships has got you to where you're at today, right? For sure. So um, anyway, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like you said, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, we travel all over the world, all over the nation, go to different events and all the dealers for, for not only selling wakeboards, but also boats, you know, I just always kind of, connected and really made sure to go out kind of go that extra step and create that relationship with them because you know when even when they're doing events you know you might be like okay we want to have this guy come to our event what's you know there's a lot that goes into it flights hotels a lot of them you know they might we might have a day rate that they got to pay us so they're like okay what's well, going to cost us x amount of dollars we got to make sure we're going to get what we want out of this mm-hmm. so you know i've seen so many times where I've gone to these events, done these things, and you just get guys that are, think they're too cool and won't talk to people, you know, just kind of sit over on the sidelines. And they, yeah, they might go out and do a demonstration and, and everyone's impressed, but then they're done and it's kind of, you know, it's like, you know, Yeah, yeah and they're, really they're, they might be missing an opportunity to meet someone who would yeah. potentially change their life, right? Exactly. So. Yeah, so if you can kind of, if you can go out there and do something different where it's, yeah, I mean, you're you're putting on a good demonstration, but you're you got this person sold on the boat or you just gave them a life-changing experience you know they couldn't even get up and now they're able to get up there and now they're hooked on wakeboarding or wave surfing Mm -hmm. and uh and that's that's, i've noticed that there's a lot of similarities between when we interviewed tony hawk and sean where they were also just growing the sport yeah in general right so growing sean watson's brand exactly obviously obviously you wanted to do that but it's more about um you know, getting people involved and growing the sport and everything about it. The one thing that I find interesting, so for the people that are listening, the way we met actually is, so uh, the some of the senior executives at our company met you at a boat show. Yeah, exactly. So that's crazy that these opportunities are coming as a result of what you're just speaking to. Exactly. But I mean, you can't, that's a perfect example. Yeah, so they meet these executives at Vivint Solar completely outside of your industry, mm-hmm. but you're there, you're prepared, you're personable. And then they ended up hiring you to, to bring a friend, JD, mm-hmm. and come to a rewards trip with us. Exactly. I mean, even that, I feel like afterwards I heard like good things. You know, I think when Paul, Paul and Jason asked us about it and talking about it, I thought, I think their impression was, you know, we would come out to Lake Powell and maybe do some demonstration rides. And, and uh, they asked us to do a little bit of guest speaking, but it would, we'd probably stick to ourselves where it ended up being, you know, we were out in the boat all day long, you know, wanting to get everybody involved. Teach, I mean, almost everybody that came out there, there was a lot of people that had never even wake surfed. Do you remember anyone in particular that had an experience out there? There were so many guys. I, mean, I remember they, Precious behind the boat. Remember oh, Precious, Precious, yeah, she was awesome. She, um, you know, 
I don't, I don't think she'd ever tried. I, don't, I can't remember, but you know, before the, you know, I think she was the last, before the houseboats were leaving, we had to get back and she was still riding. But that was the thing that impressed me because we've, we've hired people to come speak and we've had people come uh, participate. Yeah. But, and I didn't even think about this until now, but when, when you guys left, like when you and JD left, um, we were like, we'd all noticed that you guys ran all the boats yeah. You drove the boats for everybody. You yeah. ate dinner with us. You hung out with us afterwards. Mm -hmm. uh, you taught people that didn't even earn the VIP experience how yeah. to surf. Uh, we were breaking boats and you two are out there fixing So we're eating and you're fixing boats. Yeah. But that's a really interesting thing where the emphasis on the connection with people has ultimately extended your career as far as it for has. For sure. That's really cool. Yeah. I like that. What's the biggest, well, Ty's um, checking through. We had a bunch of stuff we wanted to ask you as well. I wanted to ask you, have you ever been injured, and what's the worst injury you've ever had? Yeah, man. He says, have you ever been injured? <laughs> I, <laughs> I see little scars everywhere. Yeah, like, yeah, wakeboarding <laughs> is, uh, is a, is, it's pretty painful, man. Um, I've, I've had ACL and meniscus uh, recovery or reconstruction on both my knees. Um, actually, the first time I hurt myself, I think I was 15 years old, and um, I was doing a trick. And it's, this is pretty much the most common injury um, where I, like I went to do a flip, did it way out in the flats. It was like a big, they call it a front roll. Came down and when I landed, I just extended my leg too soon rather than like landing yeah. and being compressed. I landed and my, my knee just hyperextended. Um, you know, went and had it looked at, ended up just being uh, hyperextension, didn't, didn't tear the ligament, but did some damage, did a little bit of cartilage damage, um, you know, Continued riding, did some more. You know, ended up ended up, uh, you know, tearing the cartilage in my knee, where I had to go in and just had an orthoscopic surgery where they cleaned it out. Um, a couple of years later, did the same thing again. Hyperextended it, blew the knee out. Had to have surgery. Uh, Our knees like pretty common. Is that what it's goes? Pretty common. Yeah, I mean, like it's mostly. You know, you you do get. Back in the day, there was because the equipment wasn't good. Um, you would, you know, you get a lot of ankle injuries because, mm -hmm. you know, your ankle the would just roll inside. But, uh, you know, you, you kind of learn now. It's like when I see people doing tricks and see kids, like I'll constantly be like, hey, man, you know, that, like that was great. I would just, just a piece of, piece of mind. I would really think about working on your landings and make sure you land compressed. Don't land stiff-legged. I've, I've hurt myself. I've seen so many guys do it. But, you know, the same thing. I with this knee, I remember kind of goes back to remember in a contest run where, you know, you might leave the dock and you've got in mind, all right, I'm going to do this set of tricks going down this first pass, pass and then I'm going to do this set of tricks coming back. Now, depending on where you're at in the run, like where you're at on the dock, because typically you'll have a heat of like, you know, say four or five guys, top two goes. So say if you're last off the dock, everybody went out and fell you might not have to do as hard of tricks mm -hmm. or say everybody laid it down. Now you've got to maybe add a harder trick than you plan on doing. So I remember. Do um, you like going first or last? It depends. I don't like being in the middle. So I do like to go first if, if I'm like just low set the seated bar. so I can set the bar. But it sucks if you're like that in the middle and you've got to watch this guy that maybe didn't do so good or you know, it could even be if you're last off the dock and either everybody slayed it or everybody fell, you might be like, oh, I don't have to do anything that hard, but then it gets in your head and you might fall and you could have just cakewalked through. Right. But the strategy going first is lay it down, right? Because you don't know yeah. what's coming. Yep. So, but, sorry, I so, interrupted you. No, it's fine. But, um, you know, going into that, so 
I remember I hurt this knee the same exact way, just different trick, but I was coming into the wake and I remember I was thinking, okay, let's do just do a big front flip to fakie, front flip to 180. And I remember I was cutting, typically like, cause if you do that big trick, you know, you want a little bit of texture on the water. If it's completely glass, no wind, it actually is sometimes like you're trying to land on a mirror. It's like, when do you, you know, when do you compress? Where do you, where's your landing? Like it's hard to see or it's, it's hard, hard to, to see. absorb the impact. Yeah, it's actually like, you want it to be flat, but you don't, if it's completely glassy when you're going big, it makes it hard to land, especially mm. depending on what the lighting's doing. You know, if it can, it can really mess with your vision. So I remember cutting in and I was kind of like between two different tricks. There's, I was thinking KGB, but KGB is, it's a, it's a backflip with a, back or a backside 360 like a back roll backside 360 so that trick you typically would just kind of you know mid cut only go wake to wake uh so i'm kind of cut out and i'm like oh man i kind of want to do that but i kind of want to do a front to fakie so front to fakie if i'm going to do that trick i want to cut as hard as i can like i want to get all the way out like i would a railing mm -hmm. and cut so it's like you're going big but you're getting like you're not going up and down you're getting that more kind of like an arc so it's easier on your knees so I cut out and I'm thinking KGB, not front to fakie. So as did, you're going at the wake, yeah. you're deciding. So I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not cutting hard enough. So I so I did the front to fakie, but I didn't I, I kind of went like up and down. And when I came down, I landed, I, I went to like land and it was glassy and just hyperx into my knee, tore the ligament, did everything like that. So I had to have surgery on that. Um, so that's both knees so both completely. Knees, yeah. um, and then that was my last time I did my knees was 2005. So it's been a long time. Okay. But it's like I said, now it's like as you, after those happen, those injuries, you're kind of conscious of it. You know, if you're doing a trick and you know, like, there's no way I'm going to land it or I'm in a bad position, you Maze. just kind of bail out and, and you kind of live and you learn. You know, it's you see so many kids just like, oh my God, why did he even try to land that? And yeah. It's just not a matter of if, it's a matter of when typically. I mean, most every top guy in the industry has had some sort of knee injury. So, and then just two years ago, um, really odd because, you know, some people, I don't know, like shoulders, everyone, there's people that either don't have shoulder issues or some people that can mm -hmm. literally just fall and go like that and just hurt shoulder shoulder. Tears, yeah. So I think I'm one of those. I've had a shoulder repair and I, my other one always hurts. And I'm you like, strike I don't know me when I, one of those. Yeah. what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> I mean, it just seems, you know, like, <laughs> like delicate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I'm like, I don't even know what I did to hurt it, but it hurts, you know? Oh, God. Well, I mean, doing both my knees, they hurt extremely bad, and it was, it was bad. But I, uh, I was doing a trick. It's like a frontside three. It's like a wrap three. So you come in, you got the handle behind you, with, and you, you hold on the wrap handle, and you, you come off, and you can, so you can hold the grab. So there's no handle pass to be doing a 360. And um, there's, it's become big in wakeboarding lately where it's, um, is that going to matter that helicopter? No. Cool. Well, so it's, it's a helicopter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We're outside. There's it's helicopters. A, there's this helicopter. I've been listening to that, that saw. Oh, I haven't even heard it. Really? You haven't heard the saw? There's like a, this path where this helicopter always flies by. Oh, every really? Day, right over. You got to be able to that. It's for being um, 40. Okay. So. All right, I think we're good. Um, so, doing this trick, wrap frontside three. And it's become big now where they like you're doing you do a trick one rotation, like a full spin, and then right at the end, like you'll shift and go back the other way. 
rather than like most people, like you do like, you know, if you do like a tantrum to blind or you do different flips where you do the actual flip and just go like backside 180. Now you can like see like these in your head. I know like yeah. you guys can't see this, but as he's you talking spin, about this, yeah. his body's moving. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah. You're like doing these in your head, huh? So I, yeah, and so I, so I did this one where it was a wrap front side three and then right at the last second you pull in and go backside 180. And uh, it's kind of later in this, like I'd been riding for probably 30 minutes. So you're starting to get fatigued. And I'd done a really good one. And my buddy in the boat was like, oh, that was sick. Do one more. Let me get it on video. And I'm like, oh, all right. I feel like those are the last words before an injury. Yeah. One more, dude. That's Just the worst. The worst more. thing you can do is say one more. Yeah. So I do this one. I get out and I'm like kind of stretched out and where I should have just been like, all right, don't go for it because you should never try to be here and then go to like pull yourself for backside 180. So I get out and then I go to pull and you just felt it. Dislocated my shoulder, you know? So I'm in the water and I'm like, oh, like what's going on? And didn't know, and it just hurt so bad. My buddy picked me up and luckily my buddy that picked me up, he had had, it, he had this injury, knew it was going on. And sure enough, my shoulder was dislocated just down in here. And so shoulder sketchy injuries to look is at, like right? one of those like, things that are like, you have to be careful because even like trying to put it back in. You can, can pinch it, a nerve. It can go, yeah, it could go in wrong. You could do more damage. So it wouldn't go back in. So, and it's the most painful thing, dude. I mean, even just trying to like, you know, go like that. It was like, for, and this, and I was in this agonizing pain for probably two, like hour and a half, two hours, just because it was- so, You went to the hospital or something? Well, yeah, luckily I had the hospitals close. So I, you know, we got in, um, went to the hospital, right into the ER. Uh, you know, they remember they put me on some, um, they had to take an x-ray first and whatnot to see what's going on. But I just remember like, please put it back in. Like, it's the worst. Like, I remember I was like, I've done my knees and then they hurt, but this is the worst. Really? Yeah. So, so is it um, hard to recover? Like you go through like a dark time, like, cause you think like a slump to a salesperson probably equals like injury to an athlete. Like, recover, like you're outside, you're usually breathing, you have like yep. energy going and then you're what couch ridden. And Definitely. I mean, you see like, especially what like about your, foot, you your confidence too coming back in? Yeah, that, I feel that, like that's probably the biggest thing. Is. You know I mean? Like, you know, I see, you know, you're watching football and you see these guys, you know, blow their knee out or something like that. Just like something and, and they're crying on the field and they're not crying cause of the pain. They're thinking their career, how long it's going to take oh, to heal. That's interesting. You know, it's like, like frustration. Yeah, and... like you could, like you might, you might crash in the water. You're laying there, and you know you blow your knee out, and you're just like, because you just know, you just know, start of the season, the next twelve months you of know, your life. Is yeah, you like your contracts. Your contracts might be ending this year. You know, and you're you all that out, comes into your head at all, once. That's all you're thinking about. Like, yeah, your knee hurts. Whatever you did hurts, but you're just thinking, man, this sucks. Like, cause it's typically, especially a knee, it takes a solid six months. I remember even like on this knee, when I did it, like I had a like one in a million type thing that went wrong, um, six months into it, should have been ready to be on the water. Everything was good. Uh, I was having this thing where I, like if I, whenever I pivoted or did anything like that, I would have like this really sharp pain that was shooting in the back of my knee and almost dropped me. I'm like, well, I don't know what's going on. So I went to the doctor, they did an MRI, couldn't see anything. He's like, you know, the only thing we can really do is go in and do a scope and see what's going on. And sure enough, went in and I had this abnormal cartilage growth. It was like cartilage that was inside the knee that was growing more than it should have. And it was interfering. It was like coming. It was actually like my new ACL, my new ligament. It was starting to like, anytime I'd move certain directions, it was going into that. So I had to, you know, they had to go in and kind of clean all that out and kept me off the water for another month. 
you know, so. So you felt that feeling where you yeah, hit the water and it's like, this hurts, but more than that, you get all of that like doubt and stuff flooded back yeah. in at once. So how do you get through it? How do you get over that? Because stuff will happen yeah. to our guys where they have a slew of cancels, they'll have a bad week, they'll get bad reviews. And I think they feel something like that where it's like, is this ever gonna work again? Am yeah. I ever gonna have success? Like, it's hard, man. You gotta be mentally get out of good people around you. And it's, and one of the most frustrating things is too, is like, cause it can ha you know, if it happens to one leg, it's probably gonna happen to the other, you're gonna have something. So it's the worst, and I've had it happen where, you know, did it, I was out that whole season, rehab, strong coming back and then end up hurting my next knee so you have like this two-year window you almost wanted to out. say hey fix the other one while you're in there yeah and it's just like you know you get you see that happen in all sports you see it happen in wakeboarding i've seen so many guys that have you know done their knee come back and then hurt the same knee again and, and, and you know and it's like god is so talented but they're off the water and it's it's hard man you get and you see a lot of people go into deep deep places and um you know if you just gotta be strong and have a good work regimen, like, you know, training regimen where you're actually, you know, it's, it's, it's weird because you see some guys that might have like a really good career and they're doing really good and they kind of have like this off time or something happens and they just kind of go downhill. And never pull Sometimes it back. Sometimes injury can kind of like puts everything into perspective and you kind of realize, you know, the good thing that you have going and what you got to do and you just work your ass off and, and really train hard and come back stronger than what you were before your injury. Interesting. Um, maybe one last question that we'll ask you before we uh, close out. But earlier in the in our conversation, you kept, I don't know if you noticed it or I don't know if you noticed it, Adam, but you kept saying, oh, I was really lucky. You've probably said it 20 yeah. times. Like, oh, I was really lucky that I happened to win the nationals in front of the hyperlight guy. <laughs> I was really lucky that I, yeah. that I happened to, you know, whatever. Um, so there's this book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote called Outliers. I don't know if you ever read it, but it basically talks about um, every, every, amazing story every success story there's there there's an element of luck but there's almost an element of like when the opportunity comes you're ready for it right yeah. so it's, i wonder what your just your thoughts on this philosophy are but you say you're lucky but if i would have been wakeboarding in front of the hyperlight guy when i was 15 yeah. i wouldn't have had the same result right you say oh this this lake came available and the guy called me well why did he call you right yeah so i almost wonder for the guys um a lot of our salespeople say that how did you have such a success i don't know i just met the right guy yeah and there's this theory that, well, if you put your body in the right place, if you're in the right neighborhood, if you're in the game trying mm -hmm. hard, you attract that kind of stuff. Do you believe yeah. any of that? For sure, man. I, I mean, I, it's funny because I have a lot of friends that say I'm the luckiest person in the world. Like I think just sometimes like bets or certain things, like sometimes always just kind of pan out good for me. I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't always happen, but, but I think there's something about that that has to be said. I mean, you just right place at the right time. You mentally put yourself in that right place. I mean, there's even times, I remember when we were in Germany, this was like early in my career, probably like 1999. And uh, there was a, you know what double up is? Yeah, like when you take yeah, two the boats boat, to the make boat, a big Yeah, wave. the boat's going you know, a straight line, does a circle and tees back through the wake and creates a bigger ramp. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, double up. And um, we were doing a double up contest and I think I was highest seed, it was like 20 guys and you go out and it's just best to off a double up. And uh, I remember watching like everyone go and do tricks and stuff that I wanted to do. And even like the second to last guy did the exact trick that I was gonna do, grabbed it the same way. Mm. So I was like, man, what am I gonna do now? And uh, I remember I was like, I'm just gonna try a toe side 900. Never even tried it, never thought about it. <laughs> Nothing, you know? And <laughs> so you might as well out. try it off a massive ramp <laughs> yeah, in front of everybody in a foreign out, country. 
freaking did it perfect, massive, landed it perfect, landed. I was like, what just happened? Like when everyone's freaking out and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I just figured out, give it a go. And, uh, you know, I was like one of the first people that did a nine off the wake uh, or off the, like even in a contest. I was the first 900 that had been landed in a contest. So, so interesting amongst highly yeah. successful people though, is like, think about the, like if you were to deconstruct that, the years of training, the crashes, the falls that even put you in a category to try it, right? Yeah, yeah. So you'll say it's luck, but you've been training for that trick consciously or subconsciously in, in a way, yeah, life. for sure, definitely. You know what I mean? So what would you say to the guys that are out there selling, the guys that are out there working on the opportunity that they have? How do, how do you capitalize on How are you ready when you're called up? Man, it's, you, you know, I, I just, I think it's, you gotta have the will and you know the means to want to do it i mean it's i've you know i've i think it's just putting yourself in the right place um you know telling yourself that you can do this you know a lot of like sometimes i can imagine door to door i can imagine it's a hard thing to put yourself in into that place and mentally want to get there and do it but i think uh I, well, yeah, I can I think know, of so man. many times, just like, well, just like what you said, like you probably can too, where it's like, man, I was getting smoked all day and then I happened to meet this guy at nine mm -hmm. yeah. that happened to have 10 properties yep. and it happened to save my quarter. And yeah. they're like, it was the weirdest thing. And like, I think for someone like Adam or myself, we're like, the point is you were there at nine. Most people yeah. would have checked out and gone home at seven. Like, or given up after the first, you know, 10 no's or whatever. Right? Yeah. So. Like your 21 year, 22 year career, whatever it's been. Yeah. Think of how, like, You've, you've been good to people. Yep. You've surrounded yourself by good people. You've talked to yourself positively and you've had an aggressive work ethic and then doors open. I think that's kind of a, that's a cool thing. That's kind of a cool legacy that you, you can hang your hat on, you know? I believe, I think that's exactly what it is. Hard work, you know, when it comes to competitive, you know, making sure, you know, you keep your head strong and tell yourself that you can do it and know, know deep down that, you know, it's not just a contest. You're just going out there and do what you do every day. And, uh, and then even, you know, when it comes to being off the water, you know, going to boat shows, doing things, trying to sell boats, trying to sell boards, like putting yourself in those, like, in the customer's shoes and, and uh, you know, knowing that you're selling the product that's, that's, you know, not only is it great, but it's something that's going to be good for them and, and just, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's cool. it just becomes, I think, a natural, natural thing. Well, we're about to put solar on your house. I know. I'm excited. Yeah. We're yeah. stuck to do it for you, man. We're, we got all these awesome customers, man, but we'd love to get that done. So thanks for sitting down with us, yeah, man. man. I think there's a yeah, lot of nuggets so. in here and I'm yeah, super so. excited to, to get the guys out and let them yeah, know. Let's go get on the water. Let's I mean, it's, do it. It's kind of raining a little bit right now, but I mean, we're all, we are going to get wet. So okay. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Thanks, yeah. man. Cool. All right, brother. Oh. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric. <laughs>